0: Good morning, everyone, and welcome to the DC Kin Care Alliance podcast. Today is Friday, May 29, 2020, and it's a hot, humid, and muggy day here in Washington, D.C. I'm Marla Spindell, Executive Director of DC Kin Care Alliance, and I'm joined by my colleague Stephanie McClellan, Deputy Director, and we welcome you to the show. Today we're gonna be talking about some new and exciting things happening with respect to the district's response to the COVID-19 public health emergency. And as I stated before, today is Friday, May 29th, which means that the mayor has lifted the stay-at-home order. But the question that I have is what does that really mean? So I'm going to ask Stephanie, who's been looking into this, what does that mean for you as a district resident that the stay-at-home order has been lifted? What things can and can't you do? So let me first ask you, Stephanie, what can I do as far as going
1: out and meeting up with people? So lifting the stay-at-home order means that you can do a few different things now that you couldn't do before when the stay-at-home order was still in place. You can gather in groups of up to 10 people in public places as long as you social distance. And what that means is that you stay 6 feet apart from each other. So if you want to meet up with a few friends now, you can do that. Unfortunately, big community gatherings are still on hold. You have to keep it to 10 people or less.
0: Okay, so what
1: about if I want to go shopping and get some clothes? You can go to non-essential businesses now to pick things up that you order by phone or online. You have to pick it up curbside, outside the business. You can't go in, and you can't go in to browse or shop inside the store. But you can now go pick things up from businesses that are open that wouldn't have been open before. So say if you want to go buy clothing or toys, you can order them by phone or online and then go pick them up outside the shop
0: so all that really does for me right now is if i need something right away i can go pick it up but i can't go into the shop and browse that's right i think a lot of us have been talking about our hair and how our hair is a mess (laughs) and we need to know about it (laughs) can we go get our hair done now or what what's the situation with that
1: I have good news. You can go to the barbershop or the hair salon and get your hair done. You do have to make an appointment. You can't wait for your barber or your stylist inside. And you still can't get waxing or nail services, but you can get your hair done now. So if you want to get a haircut, you want to get your hair braided, you want to get your hair colored, you can do all that now. That's
0: great news for a lot of people. And what about if I just wanted to go out to eat? I'm so sick of making all my meals. Can I go eat at a restaurant now?
1: (laughs) I'm sick of cooking too. You can go out to eat. You must be seated outdoors in a party of not more than six people, but you can eat at the restaurant now. It's a good idea to make a reservation ahead of time if it's possible to do that, but it is not required.
0: So I can go to the restaurant and eat there, but it has to be outside.
1: That's right. Lots of restaurants are setting up extra outside seating now to be able to accommodate more people. They can set up tables on the sidewalk or even in parking areas. The tables have to be six feet apart, and you do have to be in a party of not more than six people, but you can eat at the restaurant. That's great. And what about the farmer's markets,
0: like if I want to go there instead of the grocery store?
1: Farmer's markets are still open, but what you can do there has changed a little bit. Before, you could just buy pre-bagged produce, but now you can go and choose your own fruits and vegetables and buy prepared foods in addition to that.
0: Great. And what about just getting outside and get
1: some fresh air? What's changed with respect to that? You can go to outdoor park facilities again. So if you want to meet a few friends for a picnic or go run on the track, you can do that. Playgrounds, pools, and recreational centers are still closed, and contact sports like basketball, football, and soccer are still prohibited.
0: So if I want to go have a picnic with a friend at a park, do I have to be six feet apart and wear a mask?
1: You can gather in a group of up to 10 people. You do need to stay six feet apart. You don't have to wear a mask.
0: Okay, that's good to know. So speaking of masks, maybe we can talk a little bit about where we would need to wear masks now that things are opening up a bit. We would want to make sure that we're following whatever rules there are on mask wearing. Can you tell us a little bit about where we might still have to wear a mask
1: in a store or a business? Sure. The mayor has an order in place about wearing masks, and it expires on June 8th unless she chooses to extend it. So the rules for D.C. are you have to wear a mask when you are conducting business in the presence of other people. doesn't matter if you're an employee or a customer. If you go... To the grocery store or to the pharmacy you have to wear a mask if you go into an office and no one else is there you don't have to wear a mask
0: and what about when i need to go somewhere like on the metro or i take an uber or lyft do i have to wear a mask when i'm doing those
1: things the rules are a little bit different for different types of travel if you are traveling or exercising there's a general rule that if you cannot maintain social distance in other words if you can't be six feet away from other people you must wear a mask so that's just the general rule so if you're bicycling or walking or you get in an uber or you get in a Lyft, if you can't be six feet away from other people wear a mask then there's specific rules for public transportation and taxis. If you're using public transportation of any kind, and it doesn't matter whether you can social distance or not, if you are at a public transportation station like Amtrak or Metro, or if you ride any type of public transportation like a train, a bus, or a van, you must wear a mask. Also, if you're in a taxi, again, whether or not you're six feet away from the driver or anybody else, you must wear a mask.
0: And what about for Uber or Lyft?
1: As far as I can tell, Uber or Lyft just fall under the general rule about traveling or exercising. You must wear a mask if you cannot maintain social distance. So it looks to me like if you can technically be six feet away from someone inside an Uber or Lyft, it's big enough, it wouldn't be required for you to wear a mask. But I have to say, just as a personal note, we love our relative caregivers and their families. We sure want you to be protected, and it seems like a really good idea to wear a mask inside an Uber or a Lyft, whether or not you're six feet away.
0: We are going to be putting together a Q&A on this issue, a one pager that will be up on our website. We'll also be putting the Q&A on our Facebook group, which is DC Care Alliance Facebook group for relative caregivers, and everybody and anybody is welcome to join. And we'll be putting information on there about anything relevant to caregivers in DC and we welcome new members and for members to interact with each other through that medium so are there any situations or any group of people that the mask rule would
1: not apply to yes the mayor's order about masks does not apply to children under nine years old so you do have to wear masks in accordance with the rules if you're nine years of age or older Children between the ages of two and nine are strongly encouraged to wear a mask, but it isn't required. If you are experiencing homelessness, the rules about masks do not apply to you. If you cannot wear a mask because of a medical condition or a disability, you do not have to comply with the mayor's order about masks. And if you cannot remove a mask without assistance, you don't have to wear one.
0: So we have updated our Q&As in other areas relevant to D.C. residents during the COVID-19 pandemic, and we just wanted to update everybody on a few new things. So I understand there's something new that residents should know in the housing area. What would that be?
1: That's right, Marla. There is a great new program being funded by the John Wall Foundation called the 202 Assist Program. It is rental assistance for folks who live in Ward 8 and who have been impacted by COVID-19. They're going to start doing intakes and accepting applications on Monday, June 1st. So that's right around the corner. For more information, you can go to www202 assist Dot com, or you can call Lydia's house at 202-373-1050.
0: And I also heard that there's some help for people with paying their utilities.
1: That's right. As it was, they couldn't cut off any of your utilities, electricity, gas, water, cable, or phone. During the public health emergency, But I know a lot of people were worried about what's going to happen as soon as the public health emergency is over. Can they cut it off right afterwards? And the good news is that they now have to allow you to enter into a payment plan for any payments that come due during the public health emergency and for 60 days thereafter for cable and telephone and for six months thereafter for water, electricity, and gas. And you can have up to a year to pay the amount you owe, and the utility company has to waive any interest, fees, or penalties. To be eligible for getting a payment plan, you have to let the utility company know that you can't pay all or some of your bill due to COVID-19, and you have to sign a payment plan. If you make your payments according to the payment plan, a utility company can't report the amount you owe as delinquent to a credit reporting agency, and they can't disconnect your service. So the takeaway from that is if you can't pay, call the utility company and negotiate a payment plan with them. It will help. You'll have a year to pay it off, and hopefully it can keep you from having it negatively impact your credit.
0: That's great to know, Stephanie. And with respect to the courts, I think it's been a little bit confusing about what court cases are going forward, what court cases aren't, what are being rescheduled, which ones are going forward remotely where you don't actually have to go down to the court. So, what should people do if they had a hearing scheduled in the next month or two? What should they do to make sure that? they know whether their hearing is going forward, and if so, in what way.
1: You're right, Marla. It has been really confusing. If you have a court case that is scheduled during the public health emergency, call the court to find out what is going on with your case and if it is going to be heard remotely or if it's going to be rescheduled. Specifically, if you have a case in DC Family Court, you can call the Self Health Center at 202-879-0096 and ask them for help in determining what you should do with regard to your case. Great.
0: So another thing people have been talking about is the mayor's budget for fiscal year 21 was released last Monday, May 18th, and unfortunately there were a fair amount of reductions in various programs because of the fact that the income to the city is significantly impacted by the COVID-19 public health emergency. We testified about that last Friday, the 22nd, at the D.C. Council hearing overseeing the Child and Family Services Agency. Specifically, we testified about concerns with reductions in two different programs, both of which come under the umbrella of prevention services, which means preventing child abuse and neglect in the first place, and if there is child abuse and neglect, to try to ensure that the children can be in a safe environment and that there are supports and services for relatives that step in to care for these children if the parents can't. So the two programs we're concerned about are the Grandparent Caregiver Program is being reduced even in light of the fact that 54 families were put on a waiting list last year. And Director Donald, the director of the Child and Family Services Agency, acknowledged during her testimony that there would not be enough money to fund all eligible families in fiscal year 2021 so even with that knowledge they're still cutting the budget for the grandparent caregiver program which we think is a big mistake it will result in many families not being able to take in their young relatives and could result in more children having to go into more expensive foster and congregate care situations Cuts to the grandparent program will have reverberations for many years and even decades to come because those funds are helping children grow up in safe and stable homes, which then results in them having better outcomes as they get older and having more opportunities. So we think it's very important to invest in that program, invest in our children so that they can have a better tomorrow. The other area of concern is the umbrella area of prevention services. These are community services that are provided to residents to help them to overcome various challenges they may have in raising their children, such as helping with mental health issues, helping with substance use issues, helping with housing, all kinds of services that are the scaffolding for families to be able to raise their children in a safe and healthy environment.
1: So how much are those prevention services being cut?
0: There is a total of about $5 million that's being cut but we understand that about 3 million of those are being transitioned to the Family First CC community success centers. And hopefully those centers, once they're up and running in the fall, will be able to address and serve the same groups of people that were being served and provide the same kind of services, although it's unclear what the services are going to be provided through those success centers. So it's too early to know if that three million is really going to close the gap in the prevention services that have been cut. In addition, In her testimony before the council about the cuts, Director Donald did not acknowledge that there's still another $2 million of prevention services that are being cut and not allocated to any other program.
1: Fuzzy math. Agreed. Marla, thank you so much for all that advocacy against cuts that will hurt people of color and people who are economically challenged in the district. I know the council has also passed a law recently allowing families to designate someone to care for their children in case they are incapacitated by COVID-19 or if they can't care for their children because of an adverse immigration action. Can you tell us a little bit about that and what we're doing to help? Sure. I'll just
0: focus today on the new expansion, which allows for parents to identify a standby guardian for their children in case they become incapacitated or die because of COVID-19. So even if you're healthy today, you can still designate a trusted friend or relative to care for your child in case down the road you become infected with COVID and you unfortunately have to go on a ventilator and you're not able to make those decisions for your children at that time.
1: Marlo, that's so important.
0: Yeah, I think it really is because... The alternative, if a parent becomes incapacitated before they can identify who will care for their child, is that that child might have to go into foster care or a congregate care facility, and the parent wouldn't have any control or input into that decision.
1: So, Marla, what does someone have to do if they want to designate a standby guardian to care for their children in case they get sick and can't do it?
0: Well, there's a special form they can fill out, and it has to be signed in the presence of two adult witnesses. During COVID, there's an ability to do that through electronic means like FaceTime, Skype, or Zoom. And we're going to be working on a special project to arrange for people to be able to do this through a law firm partner where they can set up video call and be witnesses for any parents that want to do this. We're also going to be engaging in public education campaign to let people know about this option. And we'll have a special number for people to call to get assistance with completing the designation form. So more to come on that in our next podcast. And check out our website and our Facebook group for more info on that coming soon.
1: But for right now, if you're a relative caregiver raising a D.C. child and you need help and you would like to complete a standby guardianship designation form, please call us at our helpline at 202-505-5803.
0: Thank you so much for listening, and we will see you again soon on another podcast. Don't forget to vote by June 2nd for your council member in Wards 4, 7, and 8 and for the at-large council member. You can do so in person, but even better would be to vote by mail. Make sure your mail-in ballot is postmarked by June 2nd.
1: Goodbye, everyone. Bye, have a great day.